couple things before we get started. Um, my wife and I have had just a whirlwind of the last few weeks. Um, we actually, two weeks ago, were doing a um, school assembly for CBCA, Cuyahoga Valley Christian Academy, the seventh graders. It was at King Carl. Uh, I have to just tell you what an amazing time we had. Uh, I don't know how many, how many seventh graders were there, Jen? 107. 107 seventh graders. Now, if you think of 107 seventh graders, the very first thing you would think of is, oh my goodness, what are we going to do, right? <laughs> right? 107 seventh graders running around in one room and, or one camp, all over camp, doing some major things. But let me tell you, the worship that we had and the serving of the Lord that was happening during that time was amazing. I have to just share that. Um, I want to share, actually, because this is an amazing thing. And it's uh, It was a three-night uh, three camp or a three-day camp, and, and um, every night there was a message, and I would share a message, and the first night was amazing, and we had this great uh response from the kids, they all were seeking God and who their identity is, and I preached the message on what identity means and, and what that means for each person, and how to find your identity, because you know, seventh graders today, and not just seventh graders, it's the whole world, but the world around us today tells us who we are, or tries to tell us who we are, and what's going on, and, uh, but most importantly, these kids in schools today, young adults, I should say, and kids all the way down from uh, elementary school all the way up through high school is being told to find who they are. I actually um, had a story that I shared and I'll share just briefly with you is that um, we had a kindergartner that we know here uh, that my wife and I have a relationship with and, and uh, the parents were encouraging as was other students encouraged them to identify whether they identified as a male or a female and encourage them to identify in any way that they could. As I was hearing this story, I'm like, wait a minute, are you telling me that you're asking a kindergartner to identify, first of all, their gender, but also what they feel they should identify as? As a kindergartner, I didn't even tie my shoes. And these days, today, we're being at, kids are being asked to identify just uh, amazing things. It's, it's crazy. But I want to tell you something. I want to tell you a quick story. The quick story is that that next night, we were up there, and, and I shared a message, and the message, uh, it's a very personal message to me, and maybe one day I'll share this message with all of you, but uh, it was something tragic that happened to me in high school, and uh, it was an amazing event, and it changed my life forever. But as I shared this message, uh, these kids just started responding, and, and it was an amazing time of prayer. I have to tell you, for about 30 minutes after the message, kids were just still in prayer, uh, these seventh graders with counselors and, and those types of things. But there was also one issue that happens. There was a storm going on outside. Who knows? If, I mean, I know we're snow right now, Jay, right? But two weeks ago, it was thunderstorming and lightning and thundering, and there was tornado watches and warnings and all of this stuff going on. And my wife comes to me, and she says, we got a stall. We can't send the kids back to the cabins. And I'm like, what am I going to do with seventh graders? This stall and seventh graders? You know, how am I going to do that? And so I was thinking, well, I can play some more games, I guess. We can do that. But then I, the Lord just said, hey, have them share their testimonies. And so we stood up. I stood up and said, okay, you know, we just had this wonderful event. What I want you to do is just share with us what the Lord has been doing through you. And I have to tell you, I don't know the exact number, but it was well over 30 kids came forward to share their testimony, what happened to them during this uh, two days, but also what had been working through them, both in their school and through the... It was just an amazing event and uh, one that I'll be forever grateful to be part of and um, just absolutely loved it. And so it was... Yeah, it was just, it was amazing. That's all I can say. It was just an amazing time. We then had an opportunity to go visit our son in Utah. As many of you know, uh, our son lives, used to live in San Francisco. He decided San Francisco was too expensive, and he moved to Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah. And so we spent some time there and just had some wonderful time. And I will not rub it in too much, Jay, but as it was snowing here, we were enjoying 80 degrees of sunshine uh, in Salt Lake City. So. You know what I like yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that gives, the, gives you kind of a then yesterday. Last night we had this wonderful wedding in our family that we got to celebrate. Uh, 
Heather and Derek uh, are my cousins, and they got married last night and, or yesterday, and they just had a wonderful time. So it's been a busy last few weeks. I say all of that because, man, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a deep breath in this one. Whew, okay. Today we're going to start a new series of sermon called The Way of Jesus. One of the most famous Bible verses you can find is called, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man shall enter heaven except through me. Now, when Jesus said this to his disciples, when he said this to the people that he was preaching to at that moment in time, it was groundbreaking for them to hear this. The Jewish people believed that the way to, the way to have, a, have a relationship was to go to the temple, have your sins forgiven by the priest, but that was your way. That was the way to have your sins forgiven. Sometimes it was even a sacrificing or often, it was sacrificing of an animal. And through this sacrificial animal, through the sacrifice of the, of the priest in the temple, your sins would be forgiven. They would uh, literally take blood, and you would walk through the, the carcass of the animal. They would sometimes shed the blood on the temple. They would do incense. They would all of these things. It was a major event. It was a major reward. No, I'm kidding. It was a friend from Chile. It was actually... It was a very important, I know, no one gets that. So, so you guys get it? Okay. okay. I just want to make sure. It was a major event, though, to have your sins forgiven. And so when Jesus comes and he stands before the people and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Through me, you shall have heaven. This is an amazing announcement. And I'm sure the Jewish people at the time, and, and in fact, the scripture tells us that the Jewish people at the time were flabbergasted, they didn't use that word, I use that word, that's not in scripture, you're not going to find the word flabbergasted there, but they were amazed by what was going on, they were amazed that a man could stand, what they thought was a mere human could stand before them and say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one shall enter heaven except through me. However, when we look at, when we hear this, and we think about these things, Jesus is laying the model down of how we are to live our lives. Jesus was not just God who came to this earth in a form of a man and walked this earth and do nothing. He came here for a purpose. He came here for a reason. Yes, part of that purpose and reason was to die on the cross for our sins. But the other purpose and meaning was for him to show us the way. When Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life, the way means he is modeling to you and I how we need to walk this earth. And so for the next few weeks, what we're going to be looking at is this model that Jesus has given to us. Did you know that Jesus actually had habits? He had practices, he had ways of doing things. And we should learn to follow those ways, learn to understand those ways, because after all, he is the way. And so if we want to know how to pray, we should look at Jesus. If we want to know how to love, we should look at Jesus. If we want to know how to worship, we should look at Jesus. If we want to know how to sacrifice, we should look at Jesus. He is the one that shows us how to live the Christian life, because he is the way. I'm thinking of some show. What is the show I'm thinking of when I say? Mandalorian, yeah. <laughs> it is the way. <laughs> the Mandalorian. Is that what you said? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's when I started thinking, I'm thinking, what am I thinking? Okay, removing the Mandalorian from my head, and let's go this direction, that Jesus is the way. The truth and the life. But today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at prayer. Jesus had a model of prayer. Now before I even jump into that, I want you to understand something. We're going to read this verse in a moment and we're going to talk about prayer, but I want you to understand there are many people, many theologians who argue that Jesus didn't need to pray. Why? Who's he going to pray to? He is God here on this earth. Is he praying to himself? Is he praying to something else? What is he doing? Now I have to tell you that some people actually even go to the go to as far as saying that Jesus didn't have to pray. But I will tell you that Jesus, because he was fully human, needed to connect with his Father, and so he showed us the way of how to pray. He uh, how to pray, uh, and so when he tells us that we must go and do these things, and he starts to share, and we're going to read this verse in a moment from the disciples and. and Everyone knows these verses, the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus, the disciples go to Jesus, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus gives us this wonderful verse, 
or a couple of verses, I should say, from the Lord's Prayer. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be reading in verses 9 through 13. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus is giving to us this model of prayer. Jump back to this verse here in a moment. And lead us, I've, I've jumped over a complete slide. I'm sorry, I'm thinking more to this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You'll notice that those verses, uh, I put them in New King James Version just for Pastor Chaz. Uh, no, but as I have said before, I often have heard and memorized verses. The Lord's Prayer is one of those verses that I memorized, and it is set forever in my brain as either the New King James Version or King James. I cannot read it any other way. I've tried. I've tried a hundred times to read it, and I just can't do it. So when I, when you see this, normally we go by what's called the English Standard Version, the ESV here at, in Pastor Community Church, but we also encourage that the best translation is the one that you'll read. So if you want to read an ESV, go right ahead. Pastor Chaz particularly likes the New King James Version, and I will not fault him on that because it's a great translation as well. But we want to encourage you to do that. But some of these verses I have read and I have memorized have become in this way, and this is exactly where we find this. This was an amazing statement that Jesus is making to his disciples, and if we can just pause here for a moment... And I want to say to you, this was not that Jesus was saying you have to go and repeat every one of these words. Jesus was not modeling the prayer to the disciples saying, this is what you have to pray. I grew up Catholic in my life, and this was one of the major prayers that we would have to pray. When you were going to have uh, serve penance or ask for forgiveness of your sins, the priest would often to go and pray a certain prayer. And it was exactly this. But it wasn't until I was about 17, 18 years old when I began to read into this and understand that Jesus wasn't just giving us words to pray. These were the only words that we should pray. But Jesus was actually giving us a model for how to pray. This was not a repeat this word for word. There's no problem with repeating this prayer word for word. But this was a model. The model begins simply with us saying, Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. What are we doing there? We're putting Jesus and we're putting God in the right place. We're giving glory to God. Hallowed. Hallowed means to honor, to respect, to glorify. So we're saying glorify your name. We're glorifying you, Father. And then he goes on to say your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not our will to be done, but it's your will, God, that we want to have completed in our lives. So we ask that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, did you notice something here? That it isn't until almost the middle, towards the end of this verse, that Jesus actually tells us to begin to pray for something for ourselves. The very first portion of this is to honor God, to honor Him, to ask Him to bless, to be blessed by this time, to ask Him for His will, to ask Him for His direction. And then it's what do we need? We need our daily bread to survive. And then the last, it says, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I bring this verse up, and I could spend a whole entire series of sermons praying and talking about this particular verse and this particular chapter of passage that the Lord has given to us. But whenever you talk about prayer, we first go to this very message. We first go to this very passage because this is the Lord's Prayer. This is where it talks about. But again, I must encourage you to understand that this is just a model of how we are to pray. There is so much more to prayer than just repeating the words that are in the Lord's Prayer. Prayer is much more than just repeating what we have said or what has been written for us. Can we follow this as a format? Absolutely, you can. 
I, I, I often have learned as a young man to, to pray in, in what's called an ACT. ACT, Acts, right? A is to acknowledge who God is. C is to confess your sins. And T is to thank God for all that he has done. And so we acknowledge, we confess, and we thank. And so in almost every prayer that I do, you'll hear me in some form of model praying that way. But what happens is when we start to look at a model, when we start to look at these things, what happens is that our prayer becomes scripted. Our prayer becomes impersonal, if you will. Prayer is meant to be so much more than just a scripted words that we say to someone. Prayer is meant to be a form of connection with God that Jesus used. So you have to understand that Jesus, when he came to this earth, he was separated from his Father for the very first time. Jesus and the Father, as part of the Trinity, and to understand the theology of the Trinity, they were always together. When Jesus comes to this earth the first time in a human form, he is disconnected from his Father. And even more so, he takes on the sin of the world. When the sin of the world, when he lies on that cross, the Father completely abandons him. He has to, because he has to take upon that sin as a sacrifice. But Jesus uses this not just as a model, but prayer is a format, a way of us having a relationship with God. It is a way for us to connect with the God who is in heaven, the one who wants to spend time, who wants us to spend time with him. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. This was leading up to the Lord's Prayer that we just read, but if you notice something here, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Jesus was almost always in prayer. You have to understand that when you say that Jesus does not pray, when people talk about Jesus not praying, Jesus was almost always in prayer. Paul, you're going to need to run slides for me back there, please. But Jesus was always in prayer, always. There was never a time when he was not in prayer. Jesus used prayer as a model for us to see him doing this everywhere he went. You, you understand that whether it was him being tempted by the, by the devil, what did he do? He prayed. When the disciples came to him and he's teaching, what did they do? He prayed. When he had to face the cross, what did he do? He prayed. Always did we find Jesus praying. There was much to learn from this passage beyond the significance of the Lord's Prayer that follows it, but most importantly is that Jesus was in prayer. Jesus' prayer sparked the curiosity, if you will, of the disciples. Can you imagine being a disciple who walked with Jesus and you see him doing something always and you're asking him, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you doing that? So the disciples are wanting to know, I want to pray like Jesus. And so they ask, how do you pray? Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray like John's disciples. John's disciples was actually even before Jesus was here, and John was teaching them to pray. But Jesus comes to this earth, and he's teaching them how to pray. He's teaching them what to say. Jesus was interested in teaching them and showing them how to pray. And so the, the Lord's Prayer that followed was along those lines. Isn't it interesting that out of all of the disciples, only one of them came to ask Jesus to learn how to pray? It doesn't say that all of the disciples came to pray. It was one disciple that came before them and asked him to teach them to pray. What were the other 11 doing? This is often when I read this verse and I, and I think about these situations, I, I read that not only is this very much like what was going on during those days, but I think a lot of this has come into the church today. I think one of the problems that we face in the Christian church today is that too often we don't learn or we don't take on the importance of how important prayer actually is. We leave that duty of prayer up to the pastor, up to, the, up to a prayer warrior, if you will. We ask for a prayer team and we want... You know, Miss Tanya is a wonderful prayer warrior here, and I love calling her and saying, Miss Tanya, you got to pray for me. you got to pray for this. you got to pray for that. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that she's going to be praying. 
And I know that when she prays, she's praying diligently. But it isn't just Miss Tanya that needs to be praying. It isn't just me that needs to be praying. It's all of us. God gives us this opportunity, and, and I hope and under, I hope that through this message today that you'll come to a place of understanding that prayer is intended for us, not for God. God doesn't need our prayers. Does he want us to pray? Yes, he does, but he doesn't need them. God needs nothing from us. Praying, praying for us is our way of connecting with the Father. It is our way of being before him and saying, Lord, I need you in my life. I need what you have for me, and so therefore I'm placing myself before you. Oftentimes I think what happens is that we talk a lot about prayer. We may even study about prayer. But how often do we really do it? Or if we do pray, and I'm not making fun of anyone in this room, but oftentimes, I, you know, I, you can just spend a few moments with someone, you know, and, and you spend some time in prayer with someone you can hear. And someone will say, can you pray? Oh, I don't know. I don't really like praying that loud. You know, God didn't, Jesus didn't mind dying for you out loud on the cross. And you're jealous or shy about praying out loud. What if I say the wrong words? Who cares? You might say the wrong words that I would. You might say something different than I would say, but who cares? You're, pre, you're, you're, you're praying to God. You're communicating with him, so what does that matter? Oftentimes I'll hear people, you know, I love going to dinner and sitting in a restaurant and hearing someone else pray at another table. It's just so fun. Because I think of, I, I, you know, oftentimes, I, and I've been in that situation, you know, you're out in the middle of a restaurant, everyone's, talking around you, you're doing all these things, and all of a sudden food comes before you. And if you're a Christian, you believe that you want to thank the Lord for the food that he's brought to you, you know you have to give him thanks. And then you're like, okay, I'll pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this food. Good God. Amen. Or sometimes I've actually, the uh, not too long ago, I was sitting at a restaurant, and uh, I was sitting there, and I had the younger high school kid goes, I want to pray for lunch today. His dad goes, sure, go ahead. He goes, Good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that is a prayer, right? <laughs> what I think happens too often, though, is that we think that prayer is somehow different than what the rest of the world is, and guess what it is? We are doing something that the rest of the world does not do when we pray. The rest of the world is not connecting with God the Father. The rest of the world is not looking for his will. They're not giving ourselves to him. You're not laying your life down. A lot of people are not laying their life down before the Lord. And so when we pray, what we are doing is we are positioning ourselves saying, I am not the most important thing here. He is. But what happens is that I think too often we view prayer as this completely voidless, non-communication, non-relational thing that I'm going to pray. You might as well be praying to that wall over there sometimes because I think that is the life that sometimes people bring to this. When in reality what we're doing every time we pray, every time we bow our heads and we lift up our words, what we are doing is we are connecting with the one who wants to connect to us. It is our way of positioning ourselves before him and saying, Lord, come and move inside of me. Jesus wants more than just our study of prayer. Jesus wants more than just our direction of prayer. He wants us to be in prayer always like he is. Over and over again, we see how many times that Jesus prayed. And we, we need to learn to be like Jesus. We need to learn to, in its most natural form of the way Jesus showed us, to communicate with God in everything and every way that we do. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. One of my favorite passages of Scripture of all time. This is known as the Unity uh, chapter. John 17 is just a wonderful chapter. But John 17, 1 through 5 says, When Jesus has spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. 
And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Do you understand that there's three major things that Jesus is doing here when he prays? And I want to go over those three major things. There's much more that happens in prayer, but these are the three things that I have seen and I want to pull out of what John chapter 17 gives to us. The very first thing is that Jesus prayed for the connection to the Father. Jesus is asking the truth of prayer is simply, as I said this many times, is for us to connect to God the Father. Oftentimes when I'm praying, what I will do, and this may seem odd, but when I feel that my prayers are getting void and they're getting stale and they're getting cold and they're not connecting with God the Father, the one that I want to connect with, oftentimes what I want to do is, is I know it's difficult sometimes for us to pray because we pray, we feel like we're praying, what, who and what are we praying to? Is there someone there that's actually hearing us? Well, there is someone there praying. Every time you open your mouth and you position yourself before the Lord, the Lord is hearing your prayers. Jesus is said to be at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us day and night. And so what does that mean? That means every time you open your mouth, Jesus is hearing your prayers and he's interceding with you for the Father. And so oftentimes what I have to do, I will find myself during my prayer times. Yes, there are times I'm in the car and I'm driving down the road. Dear Lord, please don't let me kill that person that just pulled out in front of me. Yes, there are times that there are quick prayers like that. Yes, there are times that I go into a hospital and someone comes up to me and says, can you pray for me? Yes, I can. And I'll just go right in and I'll start praying for them. But prayer in its general is not just these quick prayers and it's not supposed to be just these quick prayers. It is a way of us connecting to God. And so sometimes what I have to do is I have to put a chair next to me. I do this because I begin to realize who I'm praying to. See, when you pray, when you open up your heart to Him, what you're doing is Jesus is there with you. He's there hearing you. He's there receiving your prayers. And so oftentimes, and this may look awkward, and it's not meant to be done in public, and a lot of people don't see it, but I want to give you this as an example. What I will often do is go into my living room, get down on my knees, and I'll bow my head on a chair. Why am I doing this? Because this is my visual form of where Jesus is. And where do I want myself to be? I want to be at the feet of my Lord and Savior. And so when I'm praying, I'm putting my head on his lap and I'm praying, Lord, help me this day. I need you in everything that I do and I say. I need you to guide me and strengthen me, give me your direction and your will. And as I go through those prayers, as I'm saying those things, what I'm envisioning is that Jesus is right there. And he's hearing my prayers. And he's understanding that it's there. Oftentimes you'll find Pat, for some reason, thinks that I have a connection better than he does with God. <laughs> he often will call me and go, I know you talked to him. Will you please pray for this? And I'll be happy to pray for that, Pat. But Pat, you just got a witness of what I do when you ask me to pray for him. Do you want something? Anyone that asks me to pray, or even my own personal time in prayer, what I like to do is I like to just pray on that way. Why? Because it is a personal time for me to connect with my Father. It is a personal time for me to connect with my Savior, who died on the cross for me and deserves so much more. See, the truth is that Jesus used prayer as a connection to the Father, and so should we. This is a connection that he wants us to have. Jesus knew that the connection he needed was with his Father. Jesus knew that this connection was one that he had to have and that he had to be with. And so he kept praying always. See, my question for us today is not just simply, do you pray? But my question for you today is, do you connect with the Father when you pray? Are you praying to a work wall? Are you praying to something? Or are you praying to the Lord and Savior who is alive today inside of us, who is here with us? Do you personalize that relationship? See, Jesus gave us a personal Savior, a personal relationship, and so therefore our prayer should be personal for him and to him as well. May I encourage you 
to learn to connect to the Father in every way, every shape, every form, in all that you do. John chapter 17, verse 9 through 10 says, I am praying for them, I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And then he goes on to the next verse, it says, all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. Jesus uses, the second thing that Jesus does is that he doesn't pray just for himself. Do you understand that most of, if not all of Jesus' prayers on this earth was not for himself, it was for other people. Jesus was constantly praying for others. He was constantly lifting up others. It is a model for us to understand. If you find that your prayers is all about, Lord, I need this, Lord, I need that, Lord, I need this, Lord, I need that, Lord, I wish you would bless me with this, Lord, I wish you would bless me with that. Is there a time and place for that? Yes, there is, but we should look at Jesus as the model. And what does that Jesus do? Jesus almost always prays for others. He asks us not only to pray for others, but by the way, he also asks us to pray for our enemies. I learned to pray for Christy when I had to pray for the Steelers. <laughs> Just kidding. I pray for Christy even if she wasn't a Steelers fan. I pray for Christy even if she was a Steelers plus she is a Steelers fan. But the point of the matter is here is that Jesus not only tells us to pray for others, but he tells us to pray for our enemies. That's one of the hardest things to do. Now listen, Jesus says for us to pray for our enemies. Why? By doing so, what does the rest of the verse say? It will heap burning coals upon their head, right? Now, if you're praying for your enemies just to see burning coals being heaped upon their head, then you're probably not in the right way of praying for that person. Now, <laughs> There, there are some benefits to that, right? I understand that. But what God is asking us to do is pray that we pray for others, including our enemies, so that we can humble ourselves before the Lord. The reason why we pray for others, the reason why we pray for our enemies, is because we learn through that way of humbling ourselves before the Lord. Where we learn to understand that what God, God's going to take care of us, regardless of what we do and what we say. God's going to help you through what you're going through. God's going to help you achieve what you have to achieve. And if you pray for it, it's wonderful. But when we learn to humble ourselves and pray for others, we begin to see God move in ways that he may have never, people have never thought. See, when oftentimes when I pray for my enemies, and yes, as a pastor, we do sometimes have people we don't like. I'm naming names, but there are sometimes times that we have a difficulty with people. We're not void of that, but what happens when we pray for those people, what we are doing is we're not actually helping the other person as much as we are helping ourselves. One of the greatest misunderstandings of scriptures is when we pray for our enemies, it isn't blessing them, it's blessing us. Because what we are doing is we are humbling ourselves before the Lord. And so therefore, we're putting ourselves in the right place to receive what the Lord has for us, which starts with and begins to and goes through forgiveness and all of the things that happen. When we hang on to things, when we hang on to offenses, when we hang on to anger, when we hang on to all of those things, and we don't humble ourselves before the Lord, and we don't let them go, what we are doing is hanging on to that poison that's going to infect us and cause us and cause major problems inside us. One of the things that I have learned over the years of helping people and counseling people is that people that hang on to offenses later on have major problems in their lives because it bubbles up. Spend any amount of time with Pastor Chaz and Miss Tanya over here, they can tell you what they see at CR every Monday night, where the offenses of what something happened way in the past has caused someone to go down a path that they should never have been on, and that original offense that they did not let go, they did not humble themselves before the Lord and pray for that person, and pray for that offense to be taken from them, have caused them to go down the path of maybe addictions of other things. Drugs, alcohol, food, you name it. Anger, all of those things. It generally always starts with some type of offense or anger that we did not let go. 
And so when Jesus says for us to pray for others, when he gives us that model, and then he also tells us to pray for our enemies, what he's saying is, let it go. I'm not going to sing the Disney song, okay? I'm not going to go Disney princess on all of you and start singing, let it go, right? But the truth of the matter is, is Jesus is, yeah, I know, you don't want to hear that, okay? No, uh, 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 I'll be stuck in my head the rest of the week, and I don't want that. But what happens is that when we, when we give it up, when we, when we let it go, we, we turn it over to God. When we pray for that person who has offended us, when we pray for that person who has angered us, what we're really doing is saying, God, I want to be angry, but I'm going to give it to you and just bless that person, Father. And so I'm taking that clenched fist and I'm opening up and I'm handing it off to you. When we do those things, what happens is that Jesus takes those things and he releases us from that bondage of offense. When we learn to pray for others, what happens is that we begin to let go of the offense. We begin to not only let go of the offense, but we also humble ourselves and seek the welfare of others. See, today I believe the devil has made a mess of the world that we are in today by making the world all about me, right? And I'm not talking about me personally, I'm talking about the world in general, things that everything is about me. You spend any amount of time outside this, outside of church, and you'll hear people talk about, well, does it make me feel good? I don't care if it makes you feel good. Is it right with what God tells you to do? Well, God didn't ask me to do something that made me angry. Well, you haven't read your Bible lately. You haven't gotten very far in Scripture if you believe that God is not going to ask you to do something that's not going to be the best, that's going to be difficult for you to go through. In fact, God loves you so much that he's not going to leave you in the same spot. And so therefore, he's going to encourage you to grow through whatever you're going through. Jesus prayed for others as a humbleness, as a way of humbling himself before the Lord. Matthew chapter 26 verses 36 through 39 says that Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit there while I go over there and pray. And, taught, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. We pause there before we go to the next part of this verse, but he says, Jesus is getting ready to die on the cross for your and I's sin, for everyone's sin. And he's beginning to understand the Depravity, the death of the pain and suffering he's about ready to face. And so he's going into the garden to pray. And he takes Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him. And he begins to sorrowful and troubled. Just flip over to that next verse, if you will, please. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus, if you think, didn't feel pain, you're wrong. The very fact that Jesus is praying before he goes upon the cross and dies on the cross, that this cup will pass for me. The very words that is used here in the ESV version, they use sorrowful and troubled, but the very fact that Jesus is full of sorrow, he's full of this troubledness, he's full of his, his, his spirit is vexed. <laughs> I've been watching too many uh, uh, old English films, but his spirit is in trouble, right? And so what happens is that because Jesus is going through all these troubles, Jesus knows the pain that's about ready to happen. If you think that one moment when Jesus spread out his hands and they put that nail to his palm and they begin to pound that nail into his palm that he did not feel that pain, you're sorely wrong. He felt that pain. He felt that suffering. In fact, so much so that before it happened, Jesus goes to the garden and he takes Peter and the two uh, sons of Zebedee with him to pray that this cup should pass from him.
Going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. One of the greatest things that Jesus teaches us in his prayer life is that prayer is a way of connecting ourselves with God's will. If you're here today and you don't know God's will for your life, if you're saying, I don't know which direction I'm supposed to go, Lord, I don't know where I'm supposed to do, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about this decision I have to make about a car, I don't know this decision I'm going to make about a medical thing, and I don't know this decision about what I'm supposed to do next in my life, then may I encourage you to do exactly what Jesus did. Find your direction in God's will by prayer. Prayer is not this one-way source where we get down on our knees or we pray to a God who doesn't speak to us. God will answer your prayers. I guarantee it. He is there listening to you. We often think that God, when we pray, does not respond, but he does. He responds in many ways. You may have, some some people say, I've never heard the verbal or the, the, um, the audible voice, thank you, the audible voice of God. Many people have it. You're not alone in that, first of all. Second of all, what happens is oftentimes different people will say, I heard God's voice, or I heard this, God said this to me, or I, I have often been accused of saying, you know, I'm not accused, but I have been often said, I've often used in, in description of things, I heard God say this to me. Was that necessarily the audible voice of God? No, not always, but sometimes it's just the direction that God gives to you. He gives assurance of your heart when you bow before him in prayer, when you connect with him and you're there in that space and I'm praying and I'm asking the Lord for direction, which way should I go? Sometimes things just pop up into my head that don't make any sense at all. Why, 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 why do you tell me to do this, Lord? And I have to spend time there. Sometimes it's just when we pray for something, have you ever prayed for something and you thought, man, I didn't hear anything back from the Lord and then all of a sudden things just start falling in place? Left and right, things just fall in place. You know what that is? That's God answering your prayers. He's speaking to you through those circumstances in your life. God doesn't always speak to us in an audible voice. Sometimes he does. And God bless those who have heard God's audible voice because that's an amazing thing. It's wonderful. But oftentimes what God does is instead of just verbally writing or verbally speaking to us, sometimes things just start to get organized. Right before the, I got up to give my last message at Elevate, uh, which was a seventh grade retreat that we just did, I asked um, my wife and a few other people were praying, and we were praying, I said, Lord, I just want to do your will. Whatever you want to have to happen, whatever you want to have happen tonight, may you guide us and direct us in that way. Now, I have to tell you, as I'm standing up there, I'm about ready to finish, I'm, I'm preaching, I'm hearing, boom, <laughs> I can hear the wind and the rain you know, beating on the on the barn that we're the barn, the, the building that we're in at camp and, and I can hear all of the sound and I'm thinking to myself, oh, what if the electric goes out? That would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? God's will was not for us to end at the time that I thought. The message that I had was only about 35 minutes long. Better than any Sunday I've done. But but not I just kidding. Not really. But God's will was not for that to end at that time. God's will was for something else to happen. And the way for that to happen was for the storm to come and have the kids not be able to go back to the cabins. And so that will was done. God was answering our prayer that we had prayed right before we started that evening. Sometimes God's will and connecting with God's will is just by seeing things fall in place around us. Sometimes it is a thing that he pops into your head and says, this is what I want you to do. Sometimes it's just a feeling, an overwhelming feeling that you get. Have you ever prayed for something you get this overwhelming either sorrow or sadness or joy or happiness and you can't understand why and you're just happy? God speaks to us in many different ways. And Jesus gives us the way by showing us the model. Jesus did not want to die on the cross. Jesus did not want to go through the pain and suffering. Was he willing to do it? Yes, he was willing to do it. But this verse, what Jesus was praying at this very moment in time, was that he wanted that cup to pass from him. If it could pass for me, let it pass. But then Jesus answers this whole entire statement by saying, if not, let your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus 
lived a life of prayer, praying at all times. He knew the power of prayer and modeled that for us. But my question for you is, do you know the same power that Jesus knew? Do you have the same connection with God the Father? It's time that we get past just praying these general, Lord, please bless this food to my body. Help me to do your will in Jesus' name. Amen. God is calling us to get personal with him. God wants a personal connection. Jesus wants you to, he's waiting to intercede on your behalf to God the Father. He's asking us to break through our shyness, break through all of these things that keep us from being real and get to understand that Jesus is real if he wants to have real prayers. He wants to connect with you. He wants to feel it. He wants to hug you. He wants to wrap his arms around you. But we have to model that by placing ourselves before him. Someone once asked me, how many times a day do I pray? And I said, how many seconds in a day are there? On a good day, I'm praying every second of every day. Does that always happen? No, it doesn't. There is more than just a simple, Lord, please protect me prayers. There's more than the, Lord, will you please bless this food prayers. Prayer is meant as a connection to God the Father. And so what I want to encourage you today, what I, what I encourage that person to ask me how many times a day do I pray, I want to encourage you to take a block of time out of your day. Whether that's five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, whatever it is, get an empty chair. Go sit in your living room. Get before that chair and connect with your Father. Ask him the direction that he wants to take you in your life. Ask him as you pray for others. Ask him to heal those that are around you that are sick. Ask him to pray for, if you need someone to pray for, and you're like, I don't, I don't have anyone to pray for. Well, first of all, Chad has a, has, a, has a notebook of all these people. I'm sure he'd be happy to give you a few people to pray for. But if you need someone above me on that, I volunteer. I'll be tribute for that prayer. Pray and seek the Lord, because that's what he wants you to do. Does that mean that we don't pray last minute? We don't pray when we're facing a problem in our life? No. But when we face and when we make a personal time to connect, all of you that are married here today or, or dating someone or have a significant other in your life, that relationship has been built because of what? Time that you spend with that person. If you went and you shared with your husband or your wife in the same way that your prayer life is today, would your husband or wife still love you? It's a simple question. If you went before them and said, honey, I love you, but I need you to bless my food. Oh, Lord, help. Oh, oh, honey, help me. But you never spend any time going, honey, how was your day today? What was it like? Did you have trouble? Connecting and relating with them in a personal way. Jesus, listen, we have to get past the point of, of making Jesus just this sacrifice that gives us a nice little ticket to heaven on our rear, saves us from the fiery hell. And we have to get past all of that and place ourselves before the Lord and say, he wants to have a relationship with us. One of the greatest things that I encourage you to do in your Christian life today is to get to know Jesus on a personal level. Pray to him on a personal Pray to him the way that you would talk to your wife or your husband or your kids or someone close to you. How important is Jesus to you? How important is he in your life? Share that with him. He wants to hear that from you. He wants to connect to you in that way because he wants to personally bond with you. Jesus gave us this way. Jesus was always in prayer. Why? Because he wanted to be in a constant connection with his Father. Because he was used to being in a constant connection with his Father. Jesus, before he came to this earth, was part of the Trinity. He is still part of the Trinity. But as being part of the Trinity, they were always together, always one. When he came to this earth to model it for us, guess what? He's modeling for us to be constantly connected with God the Father. He died on the cross so that we could be connected to God the Father. But his life of prayer that he showed to us as he walked this earth 
was so that we could always be in God's room and stand with him. in the morning you're going to see something that you don't want to see <laughs> what I mean by that is sometimes I enter into my prayer time in a pair of shorts let's put it that way right okay why I'm not embarrassed to be before my Lord I'm not out of me I'm not asking I'm not embarrassed to be naked before my Lord, right? He created me. He knows everything. But what I'm saying to you, not anything about that, unless you make sad, right? <laughs> what I'm saying is that the very first thing I like to do, the very first thing I try to do before, as I open my eyes and I begin to roll out of bed, or creak out of bed is the older I get, the one thing that I realize that I have to do is I have to thank the Lord for alive. And so you'll find me stand up out of my bed saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for raising me up again today. And then I make my way to the living room and I get down on the carpet and I just show you what I did there. And I lay on my my couch like this and I begin to pray. I start every morning that way. And I used to think that, you know, if I pray that way, it's going to be really hard. And I found my prayer time to be, oh, Lord, please help me to do all these things. And I go through all the lists of me a list of things that I had to do. And then one day the Lord convicted me and said the very thing that I just said to you. When you talk to your wife that way, if you only talk to her that way, how would your relationship be? And so then I began to change my prayer life. And so instead of coming and listing this whole list of things before, I started with, Lord, you're just gracious. You're loving. You're beautiful. You're holy. There's no one better than you. You're the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I don't deserve whatever you give to me, but you give it to me anyway, and I thank you for that. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I go through the litany of things that I want to say to the Lord, and it's not always the same. It's different every, almost every other day is different, or every day is different. And it's just my way of thanking the Lord for what he has done. Now listen, today I want to tell you that we will only achieve what we can achieve. We will only achieve what we have in this church because of what the prayer time we have spent there. The Lord does not move until his people connect and pray to him. So the more that you pray, you want to see God move more in your life, then pray. The more you pray, the more God is going to connect. I promise you. Because the more we pray, the more we connect with God, the more he wants to bless us through that connection. The more we are blessed because we are connected to him. We begin to see his ways instead of ours. We begin to see his will instead of ours. And when we follow his will instead of our will, guess what? Things are blessed along the way. But it begins, really, faith begins with how much time you pray. Does that mean that you have to be on your knees at the kitchen table or in the living room, on your couch? No, but the Lord likes to connect with In fact, Jesus once said that the Pharisees stand on the corners and they have their scrolls of things and they pray professionally like this and this is how they pray. But Jesus tells us sometimes that we just need to go and pray in private. Not letting the other person hear what you're saying. Are there times that my, yes, every night my wife and I pray together. She hears what I pray and I pray for her, she prays for me. We pray for people in our church, we pray for the church, we pray for all of things, our family, all of those things. And yes, we hear each other. But outside of that prayer time, guess what? I'm just spending time on my own with the Lord as well. Because sometimes the Lord wants to just directly talk to my heart. Nothing that my wife doesn't receive because I know she does it on her own as well. So I encourage you today, let's get real. Let's stop just praying for God to bless our food, bless our nights, fall asleep as we pray. Let's pray and ask the Lord to really move in our lives, to seek his connection, to seek the welfare of others, including the enemies that are in our life, and most importantly, to seek his will. 
and help us to see an answer to the prayers that we are praying, Father. Thank you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. We praise you now in everything of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. See you again next week. Don't forget, next week is Passover. We'd love for you to join us for Passover dinner next week.